And we're back. Welcome to the No First Podcast. I'm your host, Max Wassler. This week on the program, I sat down for a great conversation with my buddy, Micah Smith. Micah and I just launched the second and final round of pre-orders for the Fauci Cap. Go to thefaucicap.com and order yours today. Be sure to pick one up before August 30th. These caps will be made to order only. Once they're gone, they're gone. And with that, here goes. Micah Smith is an art director in Kansas City who specializes in illustration, campaigns, and brand design. His goal for every one of his projects is to make his audience smile. He believes humor and happiness are the keys to scaling the walls of doubt or distrust, and ultimately, they are essential in bringing people and new ideas together. He began his career making shirts and posters for his favorite bands and has since created campaigns and experiences for clients like TED, Target, ESPN, and Pepsi. He's been fortunate to have his work recognized in many books and magazines, and most recently, on his mom's refrigerator. Micah, welcome to the No First Podcast. How are you, sir? Good, man. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being here. Yeah. I want to start with a very easy question. Yeah, give me that softball. What's the A? And why A, Micah Smith? I've never gone by Aaron. Always Micah. I guess the reason professionally, whenever I started, there was uh, a Micah Smith who was a photographer in the music world. And so there was no micahsmith.com. That guy had it, which I haven't checked in probably 15 years to even see if the domain's available. So it was a differentiator. (laughs) Whenever I was a kid, I would always just sign things A. Micah Smith. I just thought it felt more grown up. (laughs) I guess we should let folks know that you and I have known each other for a little over a decade. We first met in Nashville when you were living in Nashville and I was living in Chicago. And uh, now you're back in your hometown. I'm back in my hometown. We're kindred spirits in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, but we also have this in common, that your hometown is not your birthplace. Right. Yeah. Where were you born? I was born in Lake Charles, Louisiana. We, we lived there until I was three. And then we moved to rural Oklahoma. My dad bought a dairy farm. And as we, do. as you do, so you just live in Louisiana and then you buy a, a dairy farm in the middle of nowhere. What prompted the purchase of a dairy farm? I still don't know. You know how dads can be coy, you know, and you just don't get really like a straight answer. I mean, my dad has a, a varied background. I mean, he's like, he's does huge AV installs now for like colleges and, you know, stadiums. Right. Like he goes in and, and does all that. But he was like into satellites in the 70s and he had a satellite truck and then he got into law enforcement and then he bought a dairy farm. There's no straight road for Garen Smith. And yet he found himself in Lake Charles and then in rural Oklahoma on a dairy farm. And that was really where you grew up until you were in middle school? Yeah, we, we lived in, it was a small town called Stratford, Oklahoma, and we lived there, let's see, moved to, well, we moved to Oklahoma when I was three and lived in Oklahoma City for a couple years and then did the dairy farm, so I have to, I have to correct myself, but we ended up living in Stratford, which was the rural town where we had the dairy farm. We lived there for 10 years and moved to, moved to Kansas City when I was uh, 
two weeks into seventh grade. And so, yeah, it was a big move. You know, the, the, the junior high I went to in Kansas City was the size of the town I moved from. So That's it was... Wild. Kansas City was the big city. Oh, yeah. I mean, in, in Oklahoma, the big city was 20 miles away, and it was like 20,000 people. And what was the name of that town? Ada, Oklahoma. That was, that was the closest Walmart, movie theater, McDonald's, and it was 20 minutes away. So, When did you find yourself fetishizing the art and culture of the music business? Yeah, you know, that there had always been a love there. My dad was a huge Zeppelin Sabbath. He was the, he still is the biggest ZZ Top fan in the world. Like he saw ZZ Top pre-beard. So he <laughs> saw those guys without beards in, in the 70s. But yeah, that, that was probably the initial love was just getting, I mean, you know, being in my dad's pickup truck and. They were, they were BB Top at the time, before beard. Yeah, yeah. They were AA bottom. They had just totally reversed by now. <laughs> yes. Yeah. We'll have to talk about AA bottom in a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We'll make that tie in. But, but yeah, I, I just remember being in my dad's pickup truck on the farm and he, you know, something <laughs> would come on and he's like, who's playing guitar here? It's like, it's important to know that, you know, Charlie Watts is playing the drums right here. So it's the same stuff I do to my wife now and it drives her up the wall. I have a 12 and a half year old and she knows just as much about classic rock as I do. You have to get it into their bloodstream. Yeah. Otherwise, what good are we as dads? Yeah, otherwise it's just straight to TikTok and you just lose them forever, you know? We have, uh, knock on wood, we have avoided TikTok in our household, so. Yeah, no one, no one has it here, but my kids are so young, you know? Yeah, how old are your kids? I've got a five-year-old daughter, Harper, and a two-year-old son, Theo, who turns three in just a few weeks. And Harper, just started kindergarten if Instagram's to be believed. Yeah, yesterday, first day of kindergarten. Not and anything like what we thought it would be. She's she's excited though. Yeah. How's yeah. it going? She's very rambunctious. Lo- loves to talk. We yeah. should have her on the podcast. <laughs> I mean, if you had her on the podcast, it would it would be like the the never-ending story. You know, right. it would just keep going. She'd be like, "I'll still be here tomorrow when you turn the computer on." <laughs> Let me tell you something. Her new thing is she goes and, and sits on our swing and just improvises songs in the backyard. And Leslie has videos. I mean, she'll go for 10 plus minutes with just any just melody content. Yeah, it's crazy. And, and I'm so curious from where is she drawing the inspiration? Is it stories about coming of age? Is it, is it a romance or what? You know, she's a spore, so it's a mixture of songs she hears. So, you know, she'll take melodies from those and she'll take content from a book and a show. So it all gets mixed up and it just comes out, which makes it even more hilarious. Like lately, one she's been singing is Flowers in in the Sink, which, you know, sounds like a John Prine song, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Until, you know, like the unicorns arrive and, you know, then it really takes a turn. How Kansas City are you, Micah Smith? Yeah, I mean, it's it's where I say I became me, you know? It's yeah. like, as far as as baseball goes, as soon as I moved to a city with a baseball team, I was sold. Because this was all I ever wanted growing up, was to be right. immediately close to a baseball field with professional athletes. It was... 
it was such a huge deal because again, you can probably relate coming from a rural area, you don't have anything on this level. So to go to a city that just blew my mind. Um, baseball means a lot to you. I love baseball. Yeah. What position did you play? When you were oh, right, right field. I was terrible. I wasn't very good at all, but it was, I was the, I was the one who ran the hardest, not the fastest. And I, you know, I just gave it 150%, you know, it didn't, it didn't get me anywhere, you know, even on little league teams, but I just, I loved it that much. But you know, whenever you're kids, it's, it's more just snow cones after the game. I was actually, I was actually really pretty good in the outfield. Like I would just dive and catch anything. Not that a lot went to right, but you know, whenever you're younger, they actually do because they pull it a lot, you know? You ask any professional athlete, you ask a football player, a basketball player, a hockey, anybody's going to say the hardest thing to do in professional sports is hit a baseball. Yeah. I mean, it's difficult. Yeah. Especially when you're hitting a baseball that's being thrown at you at 30 or 40 miles an hour by a kid that's a little bit shorter than you are. Yeah. <laughs> I, believe it or not, I was excellent at the trash talk from behind the plate. Oh, that yeah. was about the only thing that I, I can still do to this day. Yeah. Um, at what point in time does pen go to paper? Does Micah begin to draw in a way that Micah likes what he's drawing? I was like three or four or five. I mean, I would watch shows and I'd watch the credits and I would say Don Bluth directed that other show that we watched, you know, and they'd be like, how are you? Or like Frizz Freeling was an animator on this as well as that. And I liked both those. So what can we watch more frizz freeling things? And, you know, pre-internet, that's just annoying to parents, you know, in the eighties. It's like, how do you find more frizz freeling? Yeah. There's no directory telling you like, Oh, Tex Avery is, you know, there's no section in the library for Tex Avery animated. Like this, you know, you can look by director (laughs) or studio. You can't look by like animators. It's like, Oh, did Ivan Earl do the set backgrounds on this animation piece? I don't know, like, you know, it's at, at a are certain all, point. So are, these are mostly Warner Brothers? So Ivan Earl, he did a lot, like, he did the background uh, on uh, Sleeping Beauty. Oh. Tex Avery, he, I may get this wrong, but he did a lot of the Looney Tunes. Frizz Freeling was a lot of Looney Tunes. And if I'm right, I think Frizz Freeling's from Kansas City. That's awesome. Well, Walt Disney, famously. Walt Disney. I mean, all all those guys. I think Frizz Freeling started with Disney, but went to Looney Tunes not too long after that. Like, he was a young man with Disney with the... I can't pull it down, but I'll take a picture and post it to the blog. On on the wall behind me here is uh, Floyd Norman's autograph. Floyd Norman, the first black animator for Disney. Yeah. You know, he animated on Bambi and on Sword in the Stone and there's a great documentary about Floyd Norman, which we'll link to it, but yeah. he signed my field notes that day and drew a Mickey mouse and he, and he gave me a, he gave me a signature. Wow. Um, that's, the, that's the stuff where you know it's real. Cause it's like right next to some chicken scratch from that day. You know what I mean? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So you, you were already kind of phenomenally obsessed yeah. with the, with the illustrators that were performing in the, in the shows that you were interested in but I always loved art, but you know, moving to Kansas city, I just, I've went to just, I almost faded into the wall because there was like so many people, 
it's like, I didn't know where my place was. It's like my class was less than 50 people in the small town I came from. And now it was like more than 500 of just people wow. in my class. I didn't know who I was anymore because in a room of 50 people, you're this guy and we've known you for six years, you know? And all of a sudden two weeks into seventh grade, where am I and who am I? Right. So it took several years to figure out just how to navigate this new world and who I, and who I was in this world and in junior high, which is like the worst time not to know that. Right. Yeah. So, so yeah, it, it took a little bit, but I used that time to, to say, where, where am I right now? I'm in this place with this rich history and how can I fit inside of it? And like with anything in my life, I just started looking at the source. Like, where are these things? Where did they come from? Why do I have this innate attraction to this? Why do I have this innate attraction to baseball? Well, I've loved it since I was a little kid. What does that mean here? Well, that means I love the Royals. Okay, my dad played this kind of music whenever I was little. What kind of music happened here? Okay, there's this really underground rock music happening right now. And some of these guys went to my high school a few years ahead of me and they're called the get up kids. Well, I'm going to look at what they're doing, you know? So it's like, there's all these avenues that kind of lined up later in life that I look at and I'm just like, I can look at it and say, there were seeds planted just because I was open to it at a younger age and they, you know, bloomed along the way and said, this is the road I'm going down and it may not, be perfectly paved, but at least I can see those flowers down there that look familiar to the ones behind me. And by examining the flowers along the road, you began planting your own flowers. And in planting your own flowers, how are they different than the flowers that you'd encountered? I try not to ever say anything I do is on the same level of things I like, you know, but I always just want to be what I like adjacent. It's like, I just want to be involved. I want to be in the mix. I just, this is one way for me to show my interest is just to get in the middle of it. Anytime I look back on my journey at how I ended up where I am, it's all because of what we just said. What was I into and how did I see that in the future becoming a part of my life. And the, the answer I always gave myself was, well, it's, it's something I, I tell my kids, ask questions, be curious. Uh, and if you can't get the answer you want, go to the source, right? So that's what I've always done in my life is just, I ask a bunch of questions. I ask, where can I get that Frizz Freeling movie or do you have any more on Tex Avery? And if I don't get the answer I want, I just keep diving into, well, where's the root? Where can I get more information? Are there artists that have done that that you've admired? Wayne White, for sure. Andy Warhol is probably at the very top of the list. You're reaching for your cap. I have an adjustable. You have the, uh, the fitted. That's right, folks. Wash your hands. We're going to keep it between the navigational beakers here the best we can as we get into talking about Anthony Fauci. 
So Micah, I've told this story a million ways Sunday. I want to hear how you tell it. <laughs> yeah, I say that I was in a quarantine funk on a Zoom call. We were having a, a cross-state jam session. This was what? It was a few weeks into quarantine. I think mm-hmm. it was probably like early April. And we'd already had some calls by then. We were just calling once a week just to have some like community, you know. And this was this was a few weeks after I'd spoken in in St. Louis and where we kind of reconnected. We had an amazing dinner at Demun. And and on one of our calls, you just said, "Let's make something." And and I said, "Yeah, I'm up. Let's do it." And you said, "I want to make something for America's point guard. I want to make something <laughs> of of Dr. Fauci. I love him. I love his press conferences. He's He's directing us. He's what we need. And I pulled up the sketch of Fauci that I had done that day, which, you know, is a little different from what we ended up with. And you were like, let's put it on a cap. And I was like, Ebbets, or maybe you said Ebbets, but it's, you know, it's all, you know. I think, I think what was kismet about the whole thing was that Seattle was the first and hardest hit yeah. with, with the, uh, the outbreak of, of COVID-19 and you know, we were seeing how it was affecting all these businesses all over the country. And so we thought, let's support a business in a place that was hardest hit. Yeah. I have so enjoyed what we've talked about. We're going to transition into the second part. But before we do that, while I'm pulling everything together here, you've hit on something that's pretty fascinating, failure and success. Where are you happiest? Oh, I get a real thrill anytime anyone asks me to do anything. It's like Wayne White says in his documentary, making stuff is hard and it's boring. You know, it's a lot of just like throwing stuff, making stuff and throwing it away. You feel like you're nowhere most of the time. And even after it clicks, you look at it again and you're like, this is worse than it was before, you know? And so you just keep, you keep chipping away at the, Oh, well, you, you said it earlier, just being, just being positive, you know? I mean, you, we're not all Michelangelo, but he saw a David in that rock, you know, and you just chip away at it. And you know, you know, if you're persistent, you'll get there. You know, maybe, maybe not a lot of people are persistent, but it's like, I want to do this. And, you know, I'm not naturally gifted, so I just have to keep doing it. <laughs> I would say that you have some gifts. <laughs> well, the, there's a lot of great people out there and I'm persistence is a gift. All right. So we're going to move on to our next segment, which is what's in your cookies. This is a segment where we discuss not just your favorite cookie, but that might be the most important thing we talk about on this whole podcast, but also what did you read, watch, listen to shop for what's in your internet cookies from the week? Yeah. So Michael, why don't you kick it off? What is in your cookies? Chewy chips, ahoy chocolate chip Reese's peanut butter cup cookies. All I can tell you is once you eat one that was baked with a Reese's peanut butter cup inside of it, the regular ones taste like nothing. It's like you put a a cookie made of water in your mouth. There's no (laughs) taste. It nullifies anything cookie related. That's just a plain chocolate chip. It is fantastic. And the problem with these cookies is they're tiny. Tiny. So the problem is if if they were if they were 10 to 20% bigger, you wouldn't eat as many because you wouldn't feel like you're making that big of a dent. 
but you can eat a whole sleeve of these things from the bag just without thinking because you don't think you're doing that much damage per cookie. Right. So it's, it's, um, it's, it's a real problem to have in the house. Yeah. Um, talk to me. What's in your cookies? Um, big announcement. Tom Petty's Wildflowers and all the rest announced yesterday. So exciting. You know, there's been rumblings about all these extra songs for, I mean, for years now. But I don't know if you ever listened to the broken record where Malcolm Gladwell interviews Rick Rubin about Wildflowers. But, you know, Rick said there was a whole other album recorded at the same time. I'm curious, are the extra 10 songs, is it the album Rick was talking about, or is it just going to be more demos and B-sides? What else is in your cookies this week? Uh, On the Rocks, the new Sofia Coppola. It looks so good. I, I've watched the trailer probably two or three times. Bill Murray, Rashida Jones plays his daughter. One of the Wayans plays her husband. Is that right? Marlon Wayans. Marlon Wayans, yeah. I don't know. Just the whole tone of it, it's just exactly the what I like. Sophia did a wonderful job of showing us a Bill Murray that we hadn't seen before in Lost in Translation. Mm-hmm. And I think that she understands how to kind of massage the egg in a way that, that Wes Anderson couldn't figure out, in a way that Harold Ramis couldn't figure out. I'm excited to see how much of uh, Sofia Coppola is in Rashida and how much of her father is in Bill Murray. Because to me, that would be the most interesting version of this movie. I don't want to put too much onto the story arc into a literal translation of the relationships of real life people. I'm looking at more, what is the essence of that relationship between father and daughter in real life? And is that really happening here? Because that kind of honesty is really fascinating to me. As the father of a daughter. As the father of a daughter, as a person who is interested in the source of artists, and their inspiration. I like looking at where things began and what was the catalyst? What was the gadfly? What kicked that horse into running? And there's a hope that a part of that speaks to the love between two real people and that kind of relationship. And that speaks to me and my family as well and to all families, but I just like looking behind the curtain and seeing that isn't a wizard. It really is magic. It's beautiful. Thanks. And that's going to be on Apple TV plus, correct? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's exciting. Which, what else is on Apple TV plus these days? Only the best show in the world. Ted Lasso starring Casey's own Jason Sudeikis. Kansas City's own Jason Sudeikis stars in this show. It's about a D2 football coach from my neck of the woods, Wichita State. The Shockers. Go Shockers. They go from worst to first. They win their their division championship. Yep. And he gets plucked out of near obscurity and becomes a head coach of a Premier League team, um, perennial losers. Yeah. Exactly the kind of show we need right now. Yeah. I mean, I did not know what the show was going to be. 
and I couldn't be more happy and surprised by what it is. He took a kind of a ridiculous character that he developed for NBC when they were showing premiership mm-hmm. games. Yeah. And, you know, this American football coach, haha, football, football. And he turned it into genuinely the softest, sweetest teddy bear of a person. Yeah. The person that I aspire to be on my yeah. best day. And, and just to add to that, I think what makes it special, the character isn't without his own intrinsic problems. You see there's a darkness in his background that he deals with, and it's not just some goofy, positive person. There's a, there's a roundedness to it mm-hmm. that makes you think, oh, this is going to go somewhere that I want to be there whenever it concludes. And that's hard to do in a 20, 30 minute show, three episodes in. I heard softness, revealing his soft underbelly, his vulnerability, mm-hmm. which is something that I think you do a fabulous job of, of displaying for anyone that's willing to come in and properly take in your art, that there's humanity behind it, there's humility behind it, and, and it's just packed with heart. Let me revisit what I said about, you know, darkness. Like, I didn't mean his darkness. I meant just more the darkness of the situation. There couldn't really be more of a sunnier character right now than him. I think it's time for the last bit, our questionnaire. Favorite virtue? I would say humility. Qualities of a man. Vulnerability. Qualities of a woman. I mean these in the same way, but confidence and creativity. Chief characteristic. Curiosity. Appreciate most in friends. Honesty. Main fault. Main fault. Liking the beginning more than the, the middle or the end. And not knowing when to leave. <laughs> the Irish goodbye is your friend. Is there is there a piece of of the creation that you dread the most? Um, I dread the dreading. <laughs> <laughs> so the dreading could come at any time. It it's could just... come at any time. I just don't <laughs> like it whenever I see it, and I know it's coming. So I just try to enjoy every part I can because I know it's right around the corner. There's, I don't think. I've never had the Tom Petty moment where I just went in the studio and hit record and it just came out. So there's hope for you yet. I don't think that you're quite the age he was when he recorded wildflowers and he'd been doing it since he was in high school. A while. Favorite occupation. Favorite occupation. Dad, for sure. What's your idea of happiness? Happiness is it's a baseball game in into uh, summer, September with friends probably a double header and after the second game is a cardigans reunion tour concert afterwards the cardigans love fool i celebrate their entire discography you know it was it was love fool from romeo and juliet but i just knew of them as that one hit wonder band but my internship in seattle while i was there long gone before daylight it's a 
desert island record for me. I love that record. It, the guys I worked for were hardcore metal fans. Yeah. 8 a.m. in the morning, they would be playing Slipknot and Metallica and the Misfits and just hardcore punk and hardcore metal, slash metal, Slayer. And one day I went in and they're playing this Swedish country album. And <laughs> I was like, what is this? Because it was amazing. But I was like, why? And they were like, shh. It's the cardigans. <laughs> and I was like, this is the cardigans? They were like, yeah, you haven't heard this? And I was like, no, they're like, it, we've been waiting for this. They were the biggest cardigans fans. And come to find out years later, lots of metalheads are huge cardigans fans. I've met other people in hardcore bands and they love her lyrics, her songwritings. So that was your idea of happiness, the cardigans. Yeah. What's your idea of misery? Uh, misery is misery is more regrets than stories. If not you, then who would you be? I'm me. I wouldn't. I wouldn't be anybody else. Where would you like to live? Close to water. I've been landlocked so long. <laughs> it's like it's your favorite nice. color? Green. Who is your favorite author? Uh, Mark Twain. Who is your favorite fictional hero? The dude. The Big yeah. Lebowski. Whose face would you like to see on a dollar bill? I would say I would want an artist like, like a musician like Paul Simon or somebody really creative and like informative to a community like Sister Corita Kent. She was a, a nun in Los Angeles in the 60s and she started an art class and she started doing screen printing and pop art and just did these amazing pieces completely self-taught but very much in the in the vein of Andy Warhol and her class became so famous that people would fly to take her class and this is a class for children at a Catholic school but you had Keith Richards and Mick Jagger showing up to take these classes with this nun in California. And it became a kind of a phenomenon, but beyond just the, the pop culture factors, she was just astoundingly great at what she did. But beyond that was able to take an ethos and a positivity to life and infuse social justice and love what should be the building blocks of a society and say those things in a way that matched the level of her art. I always am trying to get what I'm doing to match the level of what I want to say. She's somebody where I'm like, it was both off the charts. Wow. Who discovered her? There's a documentary that somebody in the director's bureau did of her probably 10 plus years ago. My friend Ben redid her website a few years for her foundation, and it's a really fantastic website. I'll have to link to that. Yeah. Uh, what's the first article of clothing you reach for in the morning? Adidas shorts. What's your battle armor? My uh, Heather Gray t-shirt. I, I have more of these than any other piece of clothing. This is my, my mock turtleneck Steve Jobs. I don't have to think 
Your so. uniform. What song or movie is your favorite background noise? At night after the kids go to bed, I go upstairs and I just turn on the West Wing and I don't even watch it. I just listen to the dialogue. And it's it's music. You know, it's Sorkin's dialogue. It's there's a tempo to it and I, I love I love working to it. Yeah, on the blog I'll link to an article about that tempo. It is music. I haven't read that. I'll I'll I'd love to read it. <laughs> That's why we're here, folks. <laughs> <laughs> what song motivates you? Graceland by Paul Simon. I mean, the, the whole record, but that song by itself. I saw Paul Simon on his farewell tour in Nashville. I flew back there two years ago mm-hmm. and he played it and it was, it was, it was a big deal. I just love that song. It's one of those albums that, was a little bit ahead of its time. He mixed styles and mm-hmm. he made it his own. His songs have a way of hitting you in your life precisely when you need them to. Before you learn how to fly, you got to learn how to fall. Yeah. You just opened like 10 doors, I feel like. <laughs> I'll, I'll just, I'll end with this. I mean, what you just said at the end was so, so powerful. You have to learn how to, how to fall right you know and i feel like if we're doing anything that's what we're doing each day right if we're living each day correctly we're falling into bed because we gave it you know we learned as much from today as as we could and i'm falling down so i can get back up again and that's that persistence we're talking about this doesn't really speak into exactly what you're saying but it reminds me of the lion in winter you remember in the line in winter whenever he says i know that song oh no no it's not a paul simon song it's anthony hopkins i haven't seen it yeah it's 60s movie but he says you fool how does it what does it matter how a man falls so how how a man dies he says when the falls all that left all that's left it matters a great deal hmm I think we should end it there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Micah, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for coming on the program. Appreciate it, man. Let's do it again sometime. I'll have more, I don't know, profundity (laughs) into what I'm saying. I want more profanity is what I want. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, there we go. You can find Micah's work at amicasmith.com. That's amicasmith.com. Don't forget to pre-order a Fauci cap before August 30th. My guest next week will be Patagonia designer Courtney Morgan. Keep working hard to know first who you are so that you too can adorn yourself in the way that fits you best, you and you alone. This is the No First Podcast. The No First Podcast is a production of All Plat Out. Our theme song is That's Right by Pop Villains. Thanks to Marla, Stella, and Ruby. Stay safe, stay healthy, and know first who you are. Sacagawea. <laughs>